Blog Talk Radio. And welcome to Circle Sanctuary Network Podcasts, brought to you by Circle Sanctuary, one of the oldest nature spirituality churches in the United States, connecting people of nature center paths around the world. Join us through the week for a variety of shows discussing various topics, celebrating the divine in all of its forms through nature worship, rituals, education, and building bridges of community. Welcome to the show, everybody. Um, I am not Deborah Rose. Your normal host is Reverend Deborah Rose. And I am David Ewing, who I do the engineering and the background stuff for the show, just to get things going here. And um, we're having a little technical issue, so we're getting, uh, we're getting Deb checked in again. And uh, I'm really excited to hear about her conversation with Devin Hunter and Crystal Magic. And I think Deb's called in, so let's bring her in. There you are. Hey, Deb. Hey. Can you hear me? <laughs> you're live. Yes, and you're live. I cannot hear anything. Welcome to our show. My name is Deborah Rose, and I'm your host on Circle Talk. Circle Talk is one of the shows featured on CSNP, Circle Sanctuary Network podcast. CSNP has a lineup of rotating shows throughout each month. Mondays feature Lunatic Mondays with host Laura Gonzalez. She alternates her show in different weeks in English and the next week in Spanish. It can't be Tuesday without Circle Talk, and I continue to be the host for this fun show on the first and third Tuesday of each month. Wednesdays features Nature Spirituality with none other than Selena Fox. The third Friday of each month features Blue Marble, which is an echo educational, echo restoration, Echo Activism, and Echo Spirituality Podcast. We have such a fun and informative lineup of shows, and we here at Circle Sanctuary CSNP hope that you try them all. Are you a little like me and you have some beautiful crystals, but you're really not sure how to use them in your spiritual and magical practice? Well, tonight on Circle Talk, I'm very excited. We're going to be talking with Devin Hunter about his upcoming new book, Crystal Magic for the Modern Witch a must-have resource for every magical practitioner. Devin Hunter is from San Francisco, California, and he is the best-selling author of The Witch's Book of Power, The Witch's Book of Spirits, The Witch's Book of Mysteries, and The Critically Acclaimed Modern Witch. He's been initiated into multiple occult orders. He's also the founder of Sacred Fire's Tradition of Witchcraft and the co-founder of Black Rose Tradition of Witchcraft. He hosts Modern Witchcraft Podcasts, and he's the co-owner of Detura Trading Company. Devin has been seen on television shows like ABC's To Tell the Truth. And tonight on Circle Talk, we're going to be talking with him about his fifth book, Crystal Magic for the Modern Witch with Llewellyn, and it's going to be released this month. And for more information, I encourage you to go to his website at www.devinhunter.net. Let's welcome Devin to the show. Welcome, Devin, to Circle Talk. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh, thank you so much. I'm very, very, very excited to have you on, and I've got lots of questions. Well, I hopefully I have lots of answers. <laughs> so, first of all, I'm just interested. You are a very prolific writer. Have what... Um, what started that process? Have you always written, or what got you to write your first book? Uh, I oh, that's a good question. I've never been asked that question. Good job. That's <laughs> cool. Um, I you know I started writing fiction stuff when I was younger. I was um, I I was. This is so funny. This has been uh, this is a, a very interesting question to to land in, in timing wise. Um, I feel like the goddess is speaking through you. Uh, but I, I wrote fiction when I was younger, and I very much enjoyed it. And I um, did get some some um, some good props from some competitions and some things. And um, then you know life happens, and you kind of walk away from stuff. And uh, when I was in my mid twenties, um, I was approached by Llewellyn to uh, write 
for them writing, of course, nonfiction. And I had done mm-hmm. a little bit of stuff like, uh, you know, magazine columns and things like that. But I didn't even mm-hmm. have a book before. So that was that was a trip. But I would say it, it actually just kind of, you know, was a thing that, that developed out of need almost. <laughs> more than uh-huh. Well, um, we are all magical practitioners finished from it. Um, I'm very excited. Your book, I got a snippet of your book. And so the snippet I got is very exciting. And, and I am someone who's purchasing it and I will get it. When is it released? Has it already been released? No, we, uh, it comes out the first week of November. Oh, November. I thought it was August, so it's November. Well, then everybody will get excited, and this would be a really great Christmas gift for folks. <laughs> yes, for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I'm sure it'll drop a couple weeks before um, just because of the way the printing stuff kind of works out. Yeah. You know, once they get it in the warehouse, they just let, the, they let it drop. But um, I, and, and I, I'm happy for it. I mean, as soon as the, the book can get people's hands, the better. So, so around Halloween, around Samhain, it should be coming out. Mm-hmm. And, um Hopefully, it it will be one of those things that uh, definitely makes it into people's, uh, you know, holiday baskets. That's what I'm hoping for. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, um, I'm going to admit something to you, and so you just may hang up after I say this. Um, stones and crystals is not something that I've worked with a lot. And what's interesting is I have a partner that stones and um, crystals talk with him and sing to him. And when he goes to a not a um, a pagan event, but just a regular mundane rock show, he looks like he's Christmas morning. He just loves those things. And when we've been together for a very long time. When we first started dating, I had kind of a portable altar, and, and we traveled, and I got it out, and, and I'm setting this altar up, and I had, you know, for each um, for each quarter. And he said, well, why did you put that stone in the West? And I'm like, because it's, it's red, it's, it's blue. And it's, <laughs> so he was horrified. So I'm very excited to talk to you tonight because it's something that myself and other people would like to dwell more into, and I would like for you to tell us how you start. Oh, goodness. Um, Well, you know, I think it depends on the person, and this is definitely Mm -hmm. something I dive into in the book uh, a whole bunch because I think when I first got started, um, I – I mean, to be honest with you, my, my mother went on a trip and brought me back this little sack of stones, and I was a kid, uh-huh. and, and it was like the most magical thing in the world to me. It was like Merlin getting, you know, uh, these magical crystals. And uh-huh. and I think crystals in their own way started, you know, really pushed me into a magical direction in life when I was a young kid. Um, and so to me, those early experiences with those stones – are much more important in my own kind of mythos than like what I would read out of a book because I have a oh, personal connection enough. with them. I have a relationship with them. Um, and I have, you know, cause here's the thing, we're all different. We're all, we're all comprised of different things. And uh, each of us is a, our own cocktail of energies. And so it would, mm-hmm. it would make sense for us to engage other forms of energy and experience it differently. So some people may really love like, I, Moldavite and I get along great, but I learned really early on not to wear a bunch of Moldavite because it, it kind of burns me out. And, uh, mm-hmm. But my, my husband loves Moldavite and he can wear Moldavite all day long and it doesn't bother him at all. And it's just the most amazing thing. So, you know, we're all different. And I think that when it comes to starting your, your journey as a, you know, a crystal person or getting into crystals what? or adding them to your, your, your witchcraft or your magical practice, it really, you, you need to go into it with the understanding that the books and the things that exist, even my beautiful, fabulous book, which is full color and, you know, lots of photos and I, I did all the art and I did all the photos. And, you know, yes, please go get that book. Leave it on your coffee table. Look at it often. However, it's a guide for you to help, uh, for, to help you understand your own process and to develop your own gnosis around working with these, these incredible allies. So, I think it's important to keep in mind that the, you know, the attributes of a crystal and, and those things, those were made up by, and at one point in time, uh, if it wasn't in the Bible, it wasn't considered magical as a, as a rock. Right. Like it just, there's all kinds of interesting history to it. So I think at the end of the day, as long as we all remember that, you know, how spirit connects to you and communicates with you is, is by far the most important aspect of, of any part of our craft. 
I think if you approach it with that, then I, I think the crystals will teach you. I don't think it'll be too hard, really, honestly. I think the crystals will teach you how to work with them. What are What is a good – and, again, I understand what you're saying. Everybody's individual. But um, what is a good beginner crystal to begin with um, or crystals that um, – give off vibrations or give off energy that's easier to work with than others? Okay. So there's a couple of ways to approach this. And and again, some of us work differently, right? So you may be way less sensitive to, as you were saying, your partner, you know, to crystal vibrations than your partner would be. And so it may not be that you have a problem sensing energy, right? Like I I doubt that you're a witch. This is kind of part of the dog. But you may not sense just that raw kind of uh, free, like flowing energy that just kind of oozes out of a crystal. Um, right. I kind of think of it like like a vibration, like a, like a sound wave that's being emanated from a speaker. So you may just not hear that sound wave, and that's totally okay. Your partner may to- it may just that's that's the way they tune in. So what I right. often tell people is, yes, there are stones, and we can talk about stones that uh, which which is your question. Um, that are, are going to, like, pour off massive amounts of energy so that you can definitely feel something out of them. Um, but mm-hmm. there's also something to be said about, like, working with, like, a crystal grid and working with um, methods in which the crystal's energy isn't allowed to just kind of spill out, but it's actually focused. And most of the time, people who have a hard time feeling that ambient energy coming off of a stone will feel it once it's been focused. Uh, and brought into a point. And so you can, you can push, you know, pass your hand on top of a, a crystal grid and you can feel where all of that energy is being focused and projected. So I, so it's, it really is, we're all, all different. And, and, you know, when I was younger, I used to be like, oh yeah, but there's gotta be a trick to it. But the trick really is understanding that we're all different. And so we're all going to feel this, you know, experience it in a very, very unique way. Um, now there are stones that, that do tend to put off a bunch of energy. And so most of us will feel something couple things to keep in mind. Not everybody feels the crystal's energy in the same way. And, and not uh-huh. just that we're talking about the strength and intensity of it, but like, uh, like I tend to feel what, what to me, I register as almost a, a gentle pressure. That's what I, mm-hmm. is what it feels like to me, to my partner. It feels more like water kind of passing over like his hand. So you have to play with things and you have to kind of realize that uh, you may be missing the sensation because you're expecting something else. Okay, so keep that in mind. Um, So, uh, but, you know, uh, I would say, first and foremost, the higher quality, I hate to say it because people are going to, like, come at me with pitchforks here, but the higher quality a crystal, the the louder its vibration, just in general. Um, And so if you, you, like, pick up uh, just a piece of clear quartz that's, you know, loaded with uh, fissures and, and inclusions and things, its vibration is not going to be nearly as strong as a grade double A piece of quartz mm-hmm. that is super clear all the way through. So keep that in mind. Yeah. And so the grade does matter when it, if you're, if you're specifically looking to feel the vibration, if you're specifically looking to, you know, for that element of things, then you need to go, you know, get, get, get some nicer stones. I hate to say it. Uh, or, go for the stones that, again, that just are like rhinoceroses running through. Like they just have massive amounts of energy and they just kind of stampede when they, when they enter a space. Uh, moldavite, again, that's a big one. Uh, that tends to burn a lot of people out. Um, moldavite is a very, it's a weird stone because, you know, there's, there tends to be a lot of lore. If you go online, there's a lot of like brand new kind of made up lore. And again, I think everybody should follow their, their intuition and follow their bliss. But just right. keep in mind that that just because somebody on TikTok had a weird experience with Moldavite doesn't mean that that's like, you know, going to happen to you. Um, but Moldavite's really particularly good at piercing through energy, and that's why people tend to feel it more aggressively. Um, you mm-hmm. can work with stones such as black tourmaline, and black tourmaline is in particularly good at helping to – it kind of connects to the root chakra – so those of us who have issues connecting and feeling like the sensation of energy, um, if you work with black tourmaline, that usually tends to help activate those things and, and helps us become more sensitive. Um, there's stones like tanzanite, which I don't usually recommend for people because it's it's not the it's not the uh, the well it's not the most um, ethical stone as what we're finding as far as the mining and the practices go. 
Um, but it is particularly potent, and so it is, it is often referred to as the witch's stone or a witch's stone. Um, and so a lot of you can feel energy coming off of that. Um, and, you know, so I would need to say those, those are good ones to kind of play with. Uh, anhydrite is an inexpensive stone that is, it resembles quartz, and a lot of people get it confused for quartz. Um, but it's, it's, like I said, it's inexpensive, and because of the way that it's structured, I feel like it does, put off, it does tend to put off more um, well, aggressive vibes. So you can go through, you can tend to feel the energy coming off of an anhydrite. Same thing for apophyllite. Apophyllite's pretty good with that, too. Um, so I would say if you're looking for, if you, which you should be looking for, if you're really into that, you want to feel the vibration and you struggle to feel the vibration, look for clarity, look for stones that, that are just, you know, kind of lean more in that direction. If you're, if you struggle to sense that, you don't need to go do that to go, you know, go, go feel a crystal's energy. You can pick up any crystal and feel of energy if you, choose, mm -hmm. if you train yourself to do it. But I do say clarity, I think matters. After 27 years, I, I will finally land on the side of clarity matters. <laughs> does size matter? Uh, it depends because it does. I mean, if you think about what a crystal actually is um, uh -huh. and how it is, uh, essentially it's uh, a repeating matrix. And so the more you got, the more energy it can create. So I would say in stones, well, no, all stones because, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, if, I, I would used to say, no, 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 you can do it with anything. But then I went to Tucson for the International Gym Show there. And mm -hmm. it is the world's largest gym show, um, and people come from all over the world stuffing stones. And you get to go uh -huh. sit in a giant piece of, like, amethyst, like an entire geode that's, you know, 10 feet tall, and you can go sit inside of it. Wow. Once you, once you actually have those experiences, if you play with, like, mega big stones, you realize that size does matter. Size matters. You know, I mean, it just does. It does. It, yeah. it matters. It changes things. It, it's it's a very different way of, of experiencing it. doesn't mean you can't experience it. I have, you know, my pocket stones are my favorite stones, right? But there's something to be said about going and, and experiencing things from stones and that are, you're working with that are bigger. When did, you know, I, I, I tend to be a little bit of a history buff. Do you know, when did man, have we always used stones and crystal for spiritual and magical work? I mean, when did this all yeah. really begin? Well, so the, the idea is um, essentially that, well, essentially we know that beadwork is like one of the oldest forms of, of um, art that humans have. And so uh -huh. uh, we, we found beads in, you know, uh, very uh, incredible places that we didn't think we'd ever find beads. And so we've actually placed it back. I, I don't have the full number in my head, but I want to say it's like 300,000 years or so was oh, when mankind wow. stepped out. And so 200,000 years, I think, is, is the dateline that they, I want to say. So check, go Google it, people. But I want to say it's about 200,000. So it's been, they've been part of our existence. But it's also a very much a regional thing, and it's very much a cultural thing after that. And then it becomes a religious thing. And so it means something different. You know, crystals will mean something different to different cultures. And what I also, what I found out that when I was writing this book that I thought was really interesting was that names were often given, like misgiven to stones because people didn't understand that there were other stones that were purple or that there were other stones that were red. They just assumed that, <laughs> you know, if a stone was this color, it must be this. And so there's a lot of that older magical information that, like, mm -hmm. where you just, oh, get this stone. Get they may not have actually even know what the heck they were talking about. So, there's mm -hmm. some I mean, there's some really interesting things to it. Um, so, you know, and there's also the, the whole thing with um, uh, common names, regional names, things like that. So it's – but it's, I think, to be honest with you, it's – stones are – I mean, and I write about this in the introduction to, or in the first part of the book, uh, I want to say the first chapter, but we actually have a relationship, like a, a, a very physical relationship ancestrally to stone. Um, and that mm -hmm. is that the thing, the, the, the muck that created like humanity and created all life, plant life, you know, uh, human, animal life, all of it actually is a, is a whole bunch of formations of minerals. And so it came from, yes, there's this, this amazing chemical thing that had to happen, but minerals are the base of everything that we have here in our in life. So we can trace this, this whole relationship back really, 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 really far if we want to get, if we want to like get super technical. Um, 
and I don't want to bore you with that, but we could, we could absolutely. And I do it a little bit in the book, but the, my editor was like, this is gonna, this, this feels like a, a history lesson. We don't, I don't think everybody's going to want that and let's do more stones. So I ended up taking a bunch, a big chunk of that out, but we do address that. Yeah, it is interesting, but you'd be surprised. Um, I teach classes and people, I mean, it, it just, um, it's kind of interesting. So many of our practices um, are rooted in ancient um, ways. So it's, it's you know, a, a modern practice rooted in ancient times. So I was interested to see, and, and thank you for bringing that, talking about that a little bit, about stones and how far they, they went back. Can you use um, stones and crystals in your just your daily life and practice? So I like to think of crystals as supplemental energy for the energy body in the way that vitamins our supplemental energy for the physical body. And so Ooh, I like that. What I, yeah. Yeah. So if you find that you are deficient in a certain energy, right? So me, I'm deficient in patience by, by a standard default. And so <laughs> um, I definitely have found that like working with silver, all my jewelry is silver because silver is really good about uh, helping you control your, your emotions and controlling your, um, your energy and, you know, keeping it all in. So I, so patience is really good. If you have a pro- struggle with patience, work with silver. Gold can actually exasperate it. Um, and so, you know, I've, I've got a lot of that. I've got um, amethyst in my pockets off. I've got a lot of – it depends on what's up. I mean, I literally wake up in the morning and I, I, I pull a card to ask, you know, what's my day going to be like, and then I pick a stone that will be complimentary to that. So if I get a card that says, oh, hey, you're going to be in – for a lot of something, you know, then I, I tend to go for whatever I'm going to need that day. But I think uh, we want to make it really complicated, and th- this is not a complicated topic, I mean, honestly. And so it's, it's what do you need? And then you go, you, know, you go find that. And there are stones that are very multipurpose, and so you don't have to have a huge collection um, like I do in order to, you know. And that was, my, that was the thing I wish somebody would have told me, too, is you don't have to have a big collection. Because when I was younger, I've been collecting for 20 years. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, honestly, there's – you can get a a clear quartz, a rose quartz, an amethyst. If you can just get – and a citrine. If you can get those four stones, um, you are going to be set for a lot of things that you're going to experience in life. And so just the quartz family in general, it's very – it's huge. Um, And a lot – actually, a lot of stones are technically types of quartz. Um, a lot more than you'd think. And so mm-hmm. uh, the quartz family is very big and it's very powerful and it's very potent. And so a lot of us are like, oh, rose quartz. I just have rose quartz. Go play with your rose quartz. Really go sit down with your rose quartz and have stuff to tell you. You know, so, um, but the whole quartz family, they're, they're inexpensive, you know, as far as if you're out looking at a, at a crystal shop or whatever, or you're in, you're in a metaphysical shop. Um, and you're going to find all kinds of interesting carvings. You're going to find all, you know, bonds and talismans and all kinds of cool stuff made out of those. You're going to find beads. You're going to find all of these different ways that you can incorporate those stones into your magic, magical practice and into your regular mundane life. And so if you are somebody who, you know, you feel a little imbalanced in one area or you need a little extra something in another area, that's when you could turn to those stones and start pulling those things in, especially the quartz family. That you mentioned were clear quartz, rose quartz, and citrine. What was the third one? Amethyst. Amethyst. Oh, and I would also that. throw in there if anybody was like writing this down, I'd also throw in there smoky quartz, of course. Smoky quartz, especially for witches. Especially for us witches. Oh. Actually, I'm writing it down. All oh, right. Yeah. And it's, I, I do a whole breakdown in the book of stones that if you, are, if you can only get like 10 stones. Right. I mean, some of us, that's, that's what we got because of whatever, you know, some of us can't get to a store. You can't find them. Right. And buying stones online can be really difficult. And so you're only going to get 10 stones. If you're going to get 10 stones, what should you get? And so I write that and that's all in the book. So, and I say why, and I give you all of the, all of the juicy stuff as to why you might want to bring those into your practice. But definitely if you're going to, if, if, but if you can only get like just five, just stick with the courts family because they will totally help you out. Oh, that is great to know. I'm so excited about your book. And um, your book has beautiful color pictures. Is that right? Yes. 
Oh yeah, yeah, it's uh, loaded. The every every page. Yeah, tell has... us a little bit about your book. So since we're not going to be able to get it, it's going to bring us your book. Tell us about you. So yeah. you, you show us all the different pictures because I think that sometimes I get a little lost uh, when I see a bunch of stones, and so um, I think that would be a great resource. <laughs> yeah. It, well, there were a couple of things that, um, as witches, we you know there, we, we tend to be interested in a certain type of information when it comes to uh-huh. crystals and and it's mostly how could, how does this affect my magic or how how does this particular thing work. Uh, in magic. And so for me, I approached the, the crystal, you know, first of all, I said I would never write the book and then I found myself writing it. <laughs> and, um, and after Modern Witch, where I had done all the photos and, and it was such this, this really intense artistic process, um, we, we realized if, you know, with crystals and I happened to, you know, I, I had a, a crystal store at the time um, that was open to the public before COVID and so I have uh-huh. this huge stock of crystals. And so we were like, hey, I can take some photos and we can do, you know. So we went down this artistic, magical rabbit hole. And um, so the book is loaded with photos. And oh, it's loaded with, and it's not just like, a, here's a pretty crystal. Um, it's, it, it, it's all information that's important to us as witches. And, and if there's photos in there, it's in there for a reason. And so everything from how to divine with stones and read the, the cracks in a crystal to uh, doing uh, what, Christ, or what Scott Cunningham referred to as, uh, I believe it was uh, stone tarot, I think is what he called it, um, which uh-huh. I learned is a totally different thing. Um, we go into things like record keepers, which is this, this particular type of growth that happens on the outside of a stone um, that helps it, re- as far as magic goes, it helps it to uh, retain in memory. And so there's, there's a lot of people in the metaphysical community who they will go through a big box of stones, you know, of stones just looking for one particular stone that has a record keeper coming off of it. So we talk about that kind of stuff oh. and chatoyancy and what that means and why you might want to work with a stone that is carved like an egg if you're doing a certain type of spell versus a, uh, a, a you know, a pyramid. And so going into all of that particular information that's particular to us. Oh, I'm so excited about this book. So you talked earlier when we first came on a little bit about a crystal grid. For the listeners out there who are unfamiliar or new to this practice, can you talk a little bit about what a crystal grid is? Yeah. So uh, and actually, <laughs> one of those things where I'm like, depends on who you talk to. But um, crystal grids are essentially, I refer to them as maps most often. In the book, I talk about them as crystal maps because a grid mm-hmm. usually involves uh, sacred geometry. That's a very specific thing that we try to employ with grids. Um, and there's different types of magic that we can do that are essentially the same idea. We're just not using sacred geometry. But essentially, you would you would take uh, a set of crystals and crystals. You can use herbs. You can use salt. I mean, you can use pretty much anything in a grid. And you construct um, based off of your particular need and your intention uh, using, again, sacred geometry for a crystal grid. Uh, you would then uh, work with your stones, just like when you were a kid, and you'd sit down and you'd you'd you know move rocks around in the sandbox, uh-huh. pretty shapes, same kind of idea, and uh, and then you're going to essentially use the energy of that particular shape, because you know again in magic we all know everything has everything has energy, everything uh-huh. has has a, has a triple or double or quadruple meaning, right? So. Um, we're going to work with all of those different layers. And so you're going to think about the shape you've made. You're going to think about the individual stones that you've worked with, why you've asked those stones to be part of the magical working. Um, you know, it, it, it's, there, there's a lot of connecting the dots, I think, when it comes to grid. And I think people, you know, when I was, when I was trained, my teacher was just like, oh, just you do this. And it was very simple. And it, it just kind of felt like art, which is fine. I'm, a, uh-huh. I'm an artsy guy. I like art. Um, but I've learned over the years to really sit down with when it comes to stones, intention and connecting with them um, is very, very, very important in a way that it, it maybe not necessarily would be with other things in magic. So really sitting down with your stones, each piece as you're placing it down, doing it with intention, incorporating all of your magical knowledge, right? So if you're invoking something, you're going you're gonna to construct this grid working clockwise. If you're banishing something, you're going to uh-huh. construct the grid working counterclockwise. You're going to use all of that 
stuff that you know and that you would use in all of these other aspects of your craft, which you're going to incorporate it into this, this working where, again, you're including the energies of the stone and the energies of sacred geometry. What are crystal spirits? So there's, <laughs> you're asking all the fun questions. Uh, so crystal spirits yeah. are, it depends on who you talk to because when, um, when I was going through my crystal journey uh, initially and I started asking teachers about crystal spirits, it was always kind of left that there was something called a deva. And a deva is um, most akin to something kind of like an angel, as we would kind of think of it in the occult, because devas, devas actually um, something that is an Eastern term. So the closest actually that would translate in English would be it's like an angel, an angelic spirit, but in a very occult sense, so uh, wings and stuff, but it, it, it is in charge of the structure, it is in charge of the purpose and function. And so we would go to work with the deva to get access to energies that the stone wouldn't just kind of emanate naturally or wisdom that that spirit might have for us. On the other hand, so we kind of think of that as very high vibrational, right? So, you know, again, okay. it's an angel, right? So it's very high vibrational spirits. And most of the time, actually all the time, that's all that's ever talked about. Um, but for about 15 years, I've been working with what I refer to as the dragon energy or the dragon spirit. And oh, if we think that. about it's, yeah, because I, 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 I tripped on it on accident and, and meditation and trance one day and about 15 years oh, ago, wow. and I've been working with it. And so in the book, you're going to find information on connecting to the dragon spirit, which is the more aggressive, less high vibrational um, energy uh-huh. uh, within the, the stones. And so, it, you know, we could talk about dragons for hours. I could talk, I could talk to you about dragons for days. Um, but there is, there is, a, there is an, another side to the stones. They aren't all just high vibrational light things. So, yeah. That is really interesting. Oh, I'm sitting here. I'm so excited. My head's like buzzing. I'm like so excited for this book. So um, what are some ways that, um, so stones and crystals, can they work with, um, besides magical properties, can you work with them for health issues in the mundane world? Uh, well, I mean, it kind of depends, right? So I, I, magically speaking, um, metaphysically speaking, there are stones that can um, be companions in your healing process if you're, you know, if you're under, you know, any, you could be sick, you could be, you know, recovering from surgery or any of those sorts of things. Right. Um, but I am not a fan of, working with like taking minerals without doctors and things like that internally. Well, so I don't want, I, I'm not going to yeah, talk about that kind that. of stuff, but um, I would, but yeah, there are stones that are particularly good at helping the body mend and helping the body produce energy. And so one stone that is like my absolute favorite stone to work with when it comes to healing in general is fluorite and fluorite is fantastic. It helps to activate healing on a cellular level which is great if you're a Reiki practitioner. If you, if you work with any of those healing arts, right. then you probably already know this. You probably already are working with fluoride because it's such a good companion. Um, but, yeah, so I work a lot with fluoride and just about every healing working I do. Um, I also work a lot with bloodstone. Bloodstone tends to be just a good, especially if we're working with uh, the people who identify as female, um, the bloodstone's really, really good with connecting the the physical body and the spiritual body and helping those two things to connect. And if you're a healer, then that's how you're going to get your information on what's going on. So it's a really good stone to work with for that side of that. For those who identify as male, um, the carnelian's a really great one to work with because it's fantastic at doing the same thing, but you know, with with that, the the more of the archetypical male. Uh, identifying uh, kind of person. And then if you're non-binary, which is, which is absolutely something that uh, uh-huh. never gets talked about, then you can work with, uh, in particular, Labradorite. Labradorite is fantastic for helping people who are non-binary, especially if you're going through surgeries and things like that, at helping the body and the, the spirit connect and heal. So those are stones that, you know, from a recovery standpoint are great. Amethyst is a stone that 
that if, if somebody's recovering from addiction or if you're struggling uh-huh. with addiction, amethyst is the stone to work with. And so, um, every, I mean, get up in the morning, take a crystal elixir, you know, drink a crystal elixir that you made with amethyst when you're, when you're going through, especially if you're like quitting smoking or nicotine and, you know, those sorts of things. All like these are great crystals to come in and help. They get your back, right? They it's like you, you feel like you're going to slip. You feel like you're going to fall. No, like your crystal ally has your back. And so, um, it, again, it depends on what particular type of thing. But I think every single crystal I've ever come across can help the physical body heal in some way. Every single stone. Give me um, some suggestions on stones that can help if you struggle with sleep issues. So if you struggle with sleep issues, well, it depends. So if you aren't getting enough sleep, so if, let's say you, you have the issue of a, a very busy mind, then you uh-huh. probably do want to work with something like hematite. Um, unless you are <laughs> – hematite's a tricky one because all of us are taught that it's good for grounding, but the truth of the matter is is that it can also be very um, anxiety-making for people who are sensitive. And so it's not always like, the best stone to work with. But um, so keep that in mind. But uh, but I would recommend you know working with something like hematite. You can work with a beautiful stone that is often referred to as fire crackle quartz, um, or a, it's really it's, it's hematoid quartz. But it is uh, quartz that has beautiful, incredible veins of iron that run through it. And so it's really good at helping the physical body rest so that the spirit can 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 rise. And so we work a lot with it in trance and things like that. It'll be a great stone to help you get to sleep. Smoky quartz will help you get to sleep as well. Um, I would have, it's, let's see, I would, there's plenty of stones to avoid if you're trying to get some sleep, but I would in general um, stick with stones. I mean, just as a, just anybody out there, just as a general rule, stick with stones that are going to be darker and try to stay away from stones that are going to be lighter. If you're struggling to get to sleep, all right. If you're trying to actually, you know, you're sleeping too much or you're not having restful sleep, then you do it the other way around. You do it with, you, you work with your lighter colored stones. Um, again, feel it out. We're all a little different and you are really going to notice how different you are when you start working with crystals in your sleep. So, you know, I have stones next to my head, you know, every night and the, each of them does a little something different. And so, and I always tell people like, Hey, once you start your own personal practice, you know, invite them into bed, you know, and, and see what happens because at night you are going to respond to it differently because you, you don't have the same sort of stimuli, you know, coming at you. You're not going to, your, your brain's not doing the same stuff. So allowing yourself to, you know, observe and be the observer, I think is really important. And at nighttime, you're really going to notice those things. Um, I would also say that um, stones like calcite, like blue calcite, mm-hmm. Are going to be really are we we often recommend to children who are fitful or have fitful sleeps and so it, i would say hey check out some calcite as well you read my mind that's so funny i was going to ask you do you would you put the stone or stones on your um, nightstand next to your bed um i meditate so i thought i could hold them while i meditate but do you actually take mm-hmm. small like pocket stones and put them underneath your pillows oh yeah yeah I have um, the easiest oh. thing to do is put them in a little pouch so they don't like run all over your bed because I I, right. I do toss and turn a lot and I am one of those dream witches so that's a big thing for me but uh, so I uh, uh, but I put them in a little pouch and then I just keep them under my pillow yeah absolutely and then if it's something that I want for like me and my me and my partner is you know the energy to help us out for something you know then I'll stick it under the bed um, but it depends it just kind of depends on where I'm trying to you know, direct that energy, but absolutely. I mean, or you could, uh, you know, plenty of people sleep with them in their pockets when you go to bed. Mm-hmm. And so like you put in your pajama pockets, that totally works too. And I have friends who put them in what we refer to as their goddess pocket, which is the bra. So it's mm-hmm. <laughs> that's cute. Yeah. yeah. So it's funny. And I, I agree. And I understand what you said about size matters, but I think um, those small um, pocket stones are very, very useful. Um, because like you said, you can use them and you can, I've taken to work and you can do things and, and they're so small and, and they're kind of not noticeable. Well, and they're also right up in your business. 
So, I mean, they, right. you know, they're in your pockets. You've got them. So they're in your energy field. They are, you know, your energy is moving through them and cycling back through your body and so forth. So they become very much a part of you when you're walking around with them, you know. So it's just a different, you know. But if I was, like, going to summon a big, you know, spirit or something, I'm going to go for the biggest piece of, you know, piece of generator quartz I can find. You know what I mean? So it just kind of depends on what type of magic you're doing. (laughs) Absolutely. And you say, um, you know, you said some people are more drawn or suitable for some stones than others. How do you um, find um, what stone um, is for you? Do you just buy stones and work with them and, and see what happens or give us some hints about that? So the, I, I, as a store owner, I, I can't even tell you this, but the best thing to do is to go play with a bunch of stones. Um, and and right. so go to your local metaphysical store, go to your, you know, your rock shop, go to your friend who has some stones, you know, whatever you can do to go play, go play. That's the best thing and pretty much the only way to honestly and authentically tell this, all right? But um, there are some stones, like I said, that are, that are going to be more apt to help us and work with us, the whole Quartz family. They, they love helping with us. Um, if you are somebody who um, has an attraction to a certain stone just kind of initially without, you know, I, I think mm-hmm. the whole birth stone stuff is just such malarkey personally. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, people get really fixated on, don't worry about any of that kind of stuff. But if you are, like, really into, like, I have a friend who was really into Peridot. She just thought it was the prettiest mm-hmm. stone. She, every time she saw somebody wearing it or saw it on TV and jewelry, she thought it was amazing. And eventually she got that stone, and it, and it was absolutely talking, you know, it was calling to her, you know, through mm-hmm. the audio waves, right, all for years and years and years. And so, you know, there's something to be, that's her stone. So there's something to be said about the things you have in a natural affinity or an attraction to, paying attention. There's a reason psychically that that happens. So pay attention to those things. The big thing I would say is once you start playing with things, the, the, the way to tell if this is going to work for you or not going to work for you is it's kind of like an allergy test. So it's because it's going to affect your energy body. So you want to figure out, A, is the effect noticeable? B, is it a good thing or a bad thing, right? So sometimes you can hold a stone, and it does not make you feel good. It makes you feel the opposite. Mm-hmm. And just because it's a stone doesn't mean it's good for you. So, you know, there's, mm-hmm. there's that to take into consideration. And then the other thing is um, to, the threshold for me is that I want to have – I want to physically feel the sensation from the stone. And this is because I'm a little bit of a uh, glutton for punishment. But um, mm-hmm. I, my witchcraft and, my, and my, my work is very driven on feeling energy, like physically feeling energy, having those experiences. Because I grew up watching wizards and witches on TV that moved things. So in my, in my adult life, I'm like, no, 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 no. That's spelled, you know, or we're, we're, at, we're at the part in the ritual where – Everyone's just him hawing or singing, but nobody really feels the energy. And it's like, folks, we could do better. So I'm the, I'm the high priest that stops the ritual and we start over until we're all uh-huh. feeling high off of the energy. So in, with crystals, I want the same type of thing. I want to feel high off the energy. I want to feel my, something happen to my physical body. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to, like, it's going to be a, a push, right, a push of energy. Sometimes it means that as I, my energy body is interacting with that zone's energy body, that it literally makes me feel a little lightheaded, right? That's a good thing or a bad thing. In meditation, that could be really uh-huh. great. It could be really wonderful in trance. But if I'm driving a car, that could be horrible, right? So maybe that stone's not for me. Um, like I said, Moldavite is one of those stones where my husband loves it, me, and I'm like, eh, this is cool. <laughs> you know, it doesn't tend to do for me what it does for other people. And with him, it, he, he just tends to not feel it at all in the same way that uh, other people get very, like, like they drink six frappuccinos, you know. Um, and so it, it's very jittery energy. And so you really, you got to pay attention to how it makes your body feel. And I mean, really got to pay attention. So, so much of the, the work we do with crystals and with plants really is this, you know, experiencing something and then holding yourself for a couple, you know, in that minute for a couple, in that space rather, and, and for a couple uh-huh. minutes and feeling it out and being like, hey, does this affect me in this way? Do I feel the spirit? Do I feel... Um, you know, a physical sensation, really paying attention to those things. And we're so often ready to rush things through, and you can't really necessarily do that when you're doing this kind of work, um, if you want to actually have something that you can write home about, rather. So, uh, you know, there's, it really kind of depends. Um, but I, 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 wait, I want it to feel good, 
and you know if something feels good and you know if something feels bad, pay attention to that. Um, and if it brings anxiety, don't work with it, you know, or at least not in that moment because maybe you're not ready for it. Um, you know, really pay attention to how you feel with things. The flash test, so what I used to do with people if they came into my store and they were looking for a crystal and they didn't know what to do and they only had three minutes because uh-huh. we, we had this huge crystal collection, is I would have them uh, basically hold it in their hand right in front of their solar plexus. For most of us, our solar plexus is just this wonderful kind of um, echolocation space that, energetically that we don't even know exists. But you can hold something inside of your inside of that energy space or right in front of that energy space of your of your sacral uh, chakra, and you can actually not sacral chakra. I'm so sorry. Um, uh, right in front of your well, actually, you could do it in your heart. And you could do it, yeah, I would say you could do it in your heart and you could go down a little bit. But you want it in that, that area that you're going to feel things, right? So holding mm-hmm. it at the solar plexus, holding it at the heart, and then um, seeing energy, you know, feel the energy bounce back, right? You don't feel anything, move on. It's okay. You know, that's the kind of thing. You, but you're going to feel, you should feel something pretty quickly if you hold it in that space and you focus. Yeah. And, again, what you said earlier, um, I've taken the heart, um, I feel energy in a certain way, but I may feel um, stones or crystal energy in a different way. And so I, that's something that I probably need to work with and to get used to. Yeah, I mean, it's not like other parts of our craft or even, mm-hmm. you know, it, like I, I'm a professional medium. That's what I do for a list. Well, I've been told recently mm-hmm. it's what I did for a living for a very, very long time and, and lots and lots of readings, lots and lots of people, lots and lots of stuff. And if we're as gifted as I can, as I like to think I am as a psychic, mm-hmm. all of it was just kind of mooey when it started work, when I started working with stones, because it was mm-hmm. really understanding that the stones had to teach me how to communicate. It wasn't going to be the other way around. My, my natural abilities didn't really necessarily go into this. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I had to learn, yes, mm-hmm. I'm sensitive in all these ways, but I had to learn to speak this other language that the stones had to teach me. Just with plants, you had to learn, I had to learn to speak the language of plants. Um, as much as, you know, we might want to force things into our vision or our idea of what they might be, the truth of the matter is that you really, especially when it comes to stones, have to sit down and hold space for yourself, hold space for that energy and see how you're responding and take notes. And I think a lot of people, like in witchcraft, we, because stones are pretty, stones are amazing, so a lot of us want to go get the pretty amazing thing and put it on our altar, right. and it's really great, but then we get, we get this relationship where we're like, eh, nothing really happens, it's just pretty, you know, it's not really a part of my magic, and that always breaks my heart, because I, I just think, oh, goodness, you have this incredible, gorgeous piece of whatever that's just begging to become part of your witchcraft, but you, you know, were expecting something to happen that wasn't realistic for you in that stone, or maybe you had a teacher who had a very specific way of doing things, and that just wasn't going to work for you in that way. And so there's a lot of things that, you know, when it comes to this, that it just kind of breaks my heart, because I, I think, you know, go play with your stones, people. They're amazing, and they totally want to be part of your life. Well, Devin, that's why they need to buy your book. <laughs> well, there you go. I agree. So, so they learn all this stuff. What words of wisdom from your book or, or, or tell us some last thoughts that you have? So when I first announced that I was going to write this book, um, that I'd signed the contract for it, the, the first thing I heard was a negative comment from somebody who had said, well, you know, crystals are so, they're so dangerous for the earth. How could you write about this? And it was, it was, it was actually a, phrased in a very nasty way, but that was the, the essence of what they were getting at. And right. I thought this was a challenge for me. Like, I took that as a challenge to say, this is how we can work with crystals without being part of that process. Um, right. and, and so in the book, in the foreword, I go about into very, very, very intense detail about why, you know, crystals could be a bad thing to go by, right? And so and that has to do with everything from um, – most of it has to do with where, it's, where crystals are mined and mine. the things that are happening around um, those mines and, and then also how many hands those crystals will pass before they actually end up at your metaphysical store. 
And in my time as a collector and getting to go really down the deep end, I've gotten to meet the people who own the mines. I've gotten to meet the middle, you know, I've gotten to meet a lot of really interesting people in the crystal industry. And what I've learned is that we have to take all of this with like a spoonful of sugar, you know, and just kind mm-hmm. of realize that the damage has already been done. And so as far as there, you know, the earth has already been stripped for our resources this is going to continue to happen and it's only going to be it's our way the people who care about the ethics and you know the, the responsibility that we have to our planet and those things it's going to be our buying habits that affect how this is done all right and so we can't necessarily like i was reading about tanzania and the the stone tanzanite and a little tangential but it, it fits uh-huh. and i was reading about how important that stone is to their federal government's economy and right. if we were to no longer buy Tanzanite, we would basically destroy that regional economy completely. And that's already a third world country, right? Uh-huh. So there's this idea that we have that we, you know, um, can just avoid buying something and it's not going to, uh, you know, it's, it's going to it ha- only have the impact the way that we want. But when it comes to crystals, a lot of the times these mines are holding up entire local economies. So buy smart, okay? So buy smart. Ask your ask your crystal shop owner where the stones come from. They hopefully will know. They don't always know because um, we're not always told those things. But if they are are wise enough to know who to ask and where to buy from and who that's, then they would know this information. And and avoid places that are known for you know having issues. Like avoid parts of Africa. Um, uh, in East Africa, there's, uh, there was the whole blood trade or blood diamond thing that there was a movie about, uh-huh. right? Well, that's gotten a lot better. Like, it's gotten a whole lot better, but there are still stuff. And the reason why that got better was because people said, we won't buy from here anymore. Right. And so we, we, we realized we have power as buyers, right? If, however, you want to avoid all of it and you don't want to be part of this process of buying a stone that was just taken from the earth and, you know, that ended up in some retail shop somewhere. You don't want anything to do with that. There are a couple of ways to bypass that. You go to antique stores, go to flea markets, upcycle. Okay. So, so much of my collection actually that I had before I became a shop owner came from me going and buying these flea markets and antique, show, antique stores. And a lot of the times you can go to a, an antique store and you can buy a huge crystal for like 20 bucks because they just don't know what they, they don't know what it is. They're not crystal oh, wow. people, right? Um, you can also go to, um, like I said, flea markets. And a lot of the times what you're going to find is somebody's parent is passed away and they're liquidating their collection and they're just trying to get rid of things. So you can, you can like shift the way that that money that you're personally participating in the cycle with is, is, and, you know, becoming part of that cycle. So, Think carefully, right, and, think, and shop wisely, um, but you can absolutely do that. There's also a lot of websites online um, that are, like, uh, basically where you can go and you can sell off your collection. So a lot of people would have bought stuff before, and now they're ready to sell something off or whatever. You know, check out places like thrift shops. Check out your antique stores. There are so many ways to oh, wow. get it without it necessarily being part of that, that traditional process. You can also, especially here in the U.S., you can become um, a – you can go travel to a mine where things are sustainably mined. And what sustainably mined means is that the landowner is committed to replenishing the land that is destroyed or altered by the mining process. So in, in America, we have lots of courts, lots and lots and lots. I mean, courts is everywhere. we got a lot of it here. And um, – you can go and dig up quartz and you pay like 20 bucks. You get a giant five gallon bucket and you go, you can mine as much quartz as you can fit in that bucket for 20 bucks. And that 20 bucks then gets turned into um, buying stuff to do the landfills, buying stuff to uh, replant trees, you know, or plant trees where these mines were and all of it. So right. they're, they're putting energy back into the land. And I think that is super great. Right. It's super. I mean, the, the thing people don't realize is that a lot of times this stuff is bubbling out of the earth like oil. And so especially right. like quartz, quartz deposits just vein out and then you just get huge, huge amounts of it. So you're going to be tripping over it with your mower if you don't go grab it anyway. You know, with a lot right. of these cases, if these people care, um, then you know that your money is going to 
actually help Mama Earth again. And I think as a, as a, as a magical person who believes that he is a steward of the earth, that's a fantastic way to approach the process as well. So if you don't want to go buy a bunch of expensive stones, if you don't, if you even, you know, if you want to get an expensive stone, but you ain't got the money for it, go check out places, like I said, like your, you know, thrift stores, your, your um, flea markets, uh, anything like that. Those places that are more secondhand, second cycle, up cycle, loaded with stones, loaded with stones. So is there another, is there a next book? Yeah. So, <laughs> oh, there's Ooh. a next book. Uh, uh, yeah. So, uh, so yeah. So the crystal book was actually, as you said, it was originally slated to come out in August and we ended up delaying it. Um, and so it'll be, it'll be out in early November, which is super exciting. And um, while that's all been happening and we've been going through the, the printing process and all this stuff, I wrote my plant book. So it was the other book I said I would never write. And I said I would never write a book on crystals and I would never write a book on plants. And here I am. But my plant book's a little different. My plant book it focuses specifically on house plants and developing and working magic as a witch with house plants. Um, which are subtropical perennials and not our herbs and trees that we're used to working with as witches. Um, and so I had a blast with that. That was, that was super fun. Um, and so we're, we're in between edits with that right now. And that will probably, I think the plan is to hopefully have that out in the springtime or early summer. Oh, well, you so, will have to come yeah. back. That is really, really exciting. Well, you are absolutely delightful. Um, I learned a lot tonight. I wrote a whole bunch of notes. So, and I'm very excited about your book. And we do a show about pagan Christmas gifts, uh, seasonal gifts for people to give. And I definitely will put your book on my list. So, please do. Congratulations and good luck. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Um, and besides Devin, I'd like to thank Dave and Jeanette Ewing, our sound engineers, for their technical expertise. And we'd like to thank all of you out there, our listeners, for your continued support of all of our shows here on Circle Sanctuary Network Podcast or CSNP. Join us Tuesday, September 6th on Circle Talk as we discover the power, magic, and secrets of Afro-Brazilian herbal witchcraft. Diego Diossi will be discussing his new book, Sacred Leaves, A Magical Guide to Orisha Herbal Witchcraft. I look forward to being with you all again. So please come back. Good night, everyone, and blessed be. One spirit in the dark, like a candle wavers. Many spirits joined as one, burned with the power of the blazing sun. There is strength in community. Joy.
community, a circle empowering you and me. The circle binds yet sets us free. In the goddess name, so mote it be. Sanctuary Network Podcasts, presented by Circle Sanctuary and produced for all who follow the Nature Center paths. Join us here throughout the week for various programming connected to the community around the world. And please don't forget to watch for updates on the Circle Sanctuary website at www.circlesanctuary.org. And follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash csnpodcasts. We can also be found on your favorite podcast hosting sites such as iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and others. And until next time, many blessings.